I'm Chris Reback. This is Investigating Breast Cancer, the podcast of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation and conversations with the world's leading scientists studying breast cancer prevention, diagnosis, treatment, survivorship, and metastasis. Wow, do I have a special one for you today. Dr. Hedvig Riesack is, among many other roles, chairman of the Department of Radiology at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. She also recently was honored by BCRF with the 2018 Jill Rose Award for Outstanding Research Excellence. As you'll hear, Dr. Riesack is extraordinary, not just in her work helping merge imaging technology with molecular medicine, although that's incredible but also in her teaching across borders. Among her wonderful lines in this conversation, the best thing in life is to give, and the richness of life is in diversity. Another one, you're only as good as your tomorrow, so you have to continuously reinvent yourself. You have to learn and believe that with your experience, you'll make a difference in patients' lives. Listen to this podcast, and you'll know exactly what she means and the difference that Dr. Resek has made in patients' lives. Before our conversation, though, an ask from me to you. I hope you like these investigating breast cancer conversations, and if so, I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment, go to iTunes, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. The ratings really matter. They go a long way to helping other people find the podcast. Thank you for considering my request. Okay, that's it. Here's my conversation with Dr. Resack. Dr. Resack, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. We should start, of course, with congratulations. You recently were honored with the 2018 Jill Rose Award for Outstanding Research Excellence for your seminal contributions towards merging imaging technology with molecular medicine from BCRF. What was the event like? How did that feel? So the event was much more than wonderful. Um, The event was very, very emotional as well. Uh, The reason is we all, all the 300 researchers that BCRF has, uh, so well, so ably, uh, led by Larry Norton and by uh, Judy, um, but all and all the attendants in that room, we are all committed to one and only cause, and that is really to help women with breast cancer to make sure that their breast cancer is, I don't like to say will ever be totally cured, but can be a chronic disease that mm. we can all learn how to live with. And and what drove the emotions, looking back on the career, being surrounded by so many other people dedicated completely to the cause, the women in the audience, the women that you were thinking about, what, what, what drove the emotion? Um, the, well, personally, uh, the emotion, my personal atta- beginning and uh, truly attachment, respect, um, and tremendous love for mission and scope of BCRF, um, as well as my respect for the fellow BCRF researchers, but also because uh, BCRF uh, always in my heart and my soul reminds me of uh, Evelyn Lauder, mm. uh, its founder, um, You know, Evelyn, uh, I have tremendous admiration for Evelyn. 
Um, I remember her enthusiasm, her warmth, her friendship, her dedication to the cause of BBCRF. She was a wonderful, wonderful woman and truly a mentor. Um, And she embraced me from the day I came to New York. Um, And it was very, very special. So, yes, for me, um, at one moment, even broke brought tears to my eyes, was just remembering how I would not stand there if it wasn't for Evelyn, if it wasn't for support of Larry Norton, and also if it wasn't for a wonderful, wonderful department that I have that at MSK and our breast imaging team that was always supportive of the initiatives, of the grants, of the new ideas. So you never, ever achieve anything by yourself. Mm. You always feel I was really lucky to be at the right place at the right time and met such wonderful, wonderful people. Yes, so it is. it was very emotional. Well, you you sound wonderful about it right now, and it must have been just a powerful and uh, just memorable and and terrific event. So, congratulations to you and and to them. And uh, you know, when you talk about the benefits that you got from the help of others, um, that helps uh, move us very smoothly to the benefits that you have created um, for others as well. Um, particularly in the areas of uh, imaging and, and cancer. So, so let's talk about that. Why is imaging for cancer, but in particular breast cancer, and this is you know, some of the core of the work that you've dedicated your career to, why is that so hard? Um, so first of all, my expertise and uh, my longtime passion is women's imaging, but in women's imaging, it is much more in the field of gynecology, uh, both uh, uterine as well as ovarian cancer. Uh, And my other expertise is in uh, prostate cancer, and for both of that, uh, my work started way, way back with the beginning of magnetic resonance. However, I deeply care uh, for improvement in cancer imaging, and of course being involved with women's imaging from the very beginning of 90s when the entire movement started, breast cancer imaging was always very important to me. So regarding uh, your question, why is imaging for cancer, for breast cancer so hard? It's actually not hard if you have proper training and expertise. And we need to understand that that expertise in oncologic imaging and imaging breast cancer has to include knowledge about imaging technology. So, for example, in breast cancer, you have to know how to perform and interpret ultrasound, MRI or magnetic resonance imaging, and mammography. And then that is not enough. That expertise has to include knowledge of the disease. Mm. As radiologists, we need that knowledge 
to understand which imaging modality to use when. And the second critical is that the clinical questions that need to be answered so we can make our report clinically relevant. There are many studies in the literature that show that when the same exam of breast imaging is reread by a specialist that has training and expertise and the clinical knowledge, they make a difference in patient management in 20% and as high as 35%. And that is huge. And it shows you how important that training and expertise are. And in radiology, there is a tremendous convergence of technology. You have to know disease and interpretation, how to report, requires special education as well. And that is probably a problem nationwide that we just need more well-trained breast imagers. That's incredible, an incredible statistic. Is the focus, do you feel like the focus is there in terms of the training? Um, because what, what a difference it makes. What, you know, what I'm, intri- what I'm hearing you say is, Absolutely, getting the imaging is imperative, but it's only half the story. You then have to exactly. have the, the right reading and the right clinical interpretation. Is, have you sensed- and the knowledge of the disease. Mm. You know, the, everything in life is evolution and dynamic. So the way we, the questions that were asked from radiologists in breast imaging 10 years ago are different than today. They are much more granular and detailed today because therapy has changed. Options have changed. Uh, We are now entering the era of uh, risk-adapted screening. And to be able to contribute to that risk-adapted screening, you as the radiologist have to evolve as well. So those are elements that are critical. It is not. You can learn 15 years ago and you are done. Absolutely not. Every day you are better and better and you evolve with, the, with science that's coming up. So a question on that evolution and tying it back to something you were saying earlier, how your personal history might have been a little bit stronger or at least originated in, it sounded like, gynecology and, and prostate cancer, but you, you know, have been able to apply your skills and learn, and, and um, I know that you are a continual learner, uh, it, learn in, in different areas. One of the most interesting things that I've learned in these conversations with scientists and researchers like you is how you connect people like you, connect your work across cancers. I mean, it, for me, it re, you, you really feel like the ultimate investigators, finding clues in one part of the body and divining how they may or may not be applied to other parts. Um, that seems to be consistent with your approach. Um, is it? Can you talk about how your work in one area of cancer um, may have helped you think creatively or act directly in other cancer areas, such as breast cancer? Sure. For example, um, I already said that I started with uh, MRI of prostate cancer, and uh, there are great similarities in the biology between prostate cancer and breast cancer. 
So in both, um, it is a challenge. One of the very acute challenges is to determine tumor aggressiveness and whether, uh, in fact, the cancer may be non-aggressive. For example, in prostate cancer, um, as you know, many patients are now considered for active surveillance, uh, which means instead of being treated immediately, either by surgery or radiation therapy, the tumor is monitored to determine if it is progressing because many more men die with cancer than of prostate cancer. Mm. So that decision to choose active surveillance is based on a combination of laboratory tests, pathology, and MR imaging. And now today, sometimes we add information from genetic testing. A very similar challenge is now evolving or emerging in breast cancer. Not all cancers, even if they are genetically very similar, are going to be aggressive. So one of the tasks for the next few years is how to identify a subgroup of breast cancer patients that perhaps does not need aggressive treatment. And it has already changed. Already, not everybody with breast cancer needs chemotherapy, but mm. Moving forward, we may be even less aggressive. Another part is that androgen receptor imaging and androgen receptor plays a big role in prostate cancer. And we have developed androgen receptor imaging to really search and evaluate um, metastatic prostate cancer in breast cancer, in, in, in prostate cancer. But we know through the evolution, especially with a late-stage metastasis in breast cancer, that many of those cancer are androgen receptors. They overexpressed androgen or AR receptors. So now the next movement is to apply that androgen receptor molecular imaging that was developed for prostate cancer in patients with, prostate, with breast cancer because if up to 70% of patients express androgen receptors, you can actually treat them with androgen um, therapy. But mm. you have to identify which subpopulation will really benefit. See, this is just another example of what is so fascinating for me about these conversations. I would never have suspected that there were um, ways to translate learnings from prostate cancer uh, to breast cancer. That, that just that wouldn't see to a layperson that doesn't seem intuitive, and yet that's central to some of the work that you've done. And some of the advances, yes. Can we talk about uh, another area of advances that sure. you've made um, and another uh, kind of it, it, it connects with your theme of bringing knowledge from one place, maybe, it, you know, from one part of the body to another, but also from one location to another. And that's a cross-border collaboration. Um, this is another just wonderful aspect of your impact, and it's, inc it's incredible work. Um, tell me, how, how does it work? How have you connected a global network of breast imaging radiologists who are working together, and I'm quoting here, with the single goal of improving breast cancer patient outcomes worldwide. How have you created that cross-border collaboration? So 
Evelyn Lauder and Larry Norton were absolutely uh, crucial and essential uh, to make this a reality. Uh, very often in life, uh, we have a wish list or we have a hypothesis or an idea, but unless you have a resource to make that happen, it always stays a dream. So Evelyn and Larry, while they very much believed in research, development, and innovations, how to change a cancer care of tomorrow, they also understood that we are one global world and medicine has no walls. So therefore, all the way back in 2004, I was uh, awarded an educational grant for really working worldwide and making sure that that women around the world have access. So the effort of global education is hugely important. Just like Evelyn and Larry, I deeply believe it is our social responsibility and the ethics of our profession Mm. that every patient, no matter where they are, should be helped and taken care of. And we understand that the resource that we have in the Western world is not the same as those available in a low-middle-income country. However, through education and training, you can make sure that those low- and middle-income countries have essential access to expertise, and that expertise means training radiologists so they know how to image, when to image, and how to interpret. And everything is global, so outreach and sharing our knowledge, and that's really what academia can give, and I think it is our responsibility as well. It's got to be an incredibly rewarding component of what you do. Yes, it is. It is. If you, the letters sometimes that you receive, people you help that you'll never know their faces, uh, it is very, very rewarding. So what got you into this whole thing? Uh, How did you become a scientist? Was it always science for you growing up? Did you uh, have other aspirations at some point? Tell me more about your background. So uh, it is, uh, and I love science. Uh, And, um, but when I was uh, in high school uh, and early on, I really liked mathematics and physics and science and any analytics. Uh, And then I thought uh, how to apply that love for science uh, into medicine, because medicine, actually, it's an ultimate science, Uh, because you combine everything from human factor to mathematics to physics to biology, and it's just... It's so diverse, um, and uh, combining then that love of biology and combining that with love of physics and mathematics, I went into diagnostic radiology. Did you start your career overseas and then came here, or was it always uh, here in the U.S.? Um, I, started, I started my residency in my home country, Croatia, uh, but uh, then I repeated everything uh, in the United States. 
Got it. So you, you were able to do it in, uh, in multiple languages, clearly. The, <laughs> there, there's another uh, effort that you are, are part of that I want to ask about uh, quickly before, uh, before I let you go, and that's the CCNY Memorial Sloan Kettering Partnership for Research, Training, and Outreach. Um, the goal of this training program is is focused on minority students, and and it just it feels like a way. And, and and you'll correct me because maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. But on the one hand, you have this cross border educational effort, you know, reaching out to all corners of the globe, and then similarly, in I guess I guess based in New York City, but you, you'll explain to me if it goes beyond that. You're focused on on bringing in minority students as well and crossing borders and, and expanding reach uh, locally as well. Am I interpreting that correctly? Um, yes. Uh, so it's, it is the same passion. Um, I believe that it's really important to make a special effort uh, to reach out and provide opportunities to those who may not otherwise have them. And it is important to make that special effort to reach out and diminish disparities in our own country, not just abroad. abroad. So majority of the students at the City College of New York, especially those from underrepresented minority communities, they really came from socioeconomically disadvantaged, often disadvantaged family. Uh, Many are first-generation college students, or they are from immigrant families. Mm. So through, now this partnership is able to be done through the NIH-funded partnership uh, with the City College. Um, and it's the, the main goal is to mentor and support students, offering them resources at MSK for STEM, and that is science, technology, engineering, and math program, as well as behavior science. So they can successfully, just giving opportunity, so they can successfully conduct biomedical and behavior research. And then we also mentor them. We provide them guidance with regard to their career decision. And overarching goal is to increase the number of competitively trained underrepresented minority who enroll and complete either MD, PhD, or combined MD, PhD program, the richness of life is in diversity, Hmm. and you have to help them get there. We do a very similar program with the New York City Department of Education, and this program is now going on for 15 years where it's also an outreach that helps underrepresented minority students in New York City high school. Now, in order to be enrolled in our program, they have to write an essay. And then we grade the essays together with the teachers. So it's a program that, uh, that really gives back to the teachers, to city of New York, and those high schools such such a pleasure to work with. It's a very it's a program in science, of course, um, and uh, it's uh, going on for 15 years, and mm. it's getting bigger and bigger every year, and more and more popular. So, as a as a person, as you and I, the best thing in life is to give. 
when you give, you receive much more than you ever thought it's possible. That's terrific. Yeah, no, it's got to be an incredible amount of fun. And, and so that, of course, makes me think as I, uh, you know, prepare to let you go. So you do that incredible work uh, with those students. You uh, have created and helped create this cross-border effort. You are um, a pioneer and a leader around imaging and then the interpretation of the imaging across multiple cancer forms you've won, uh, you know, or earned, I should say, you know, innumerable awards, including the most recent one um, from BCRF. I, I certainly hope you don't think me ungrateful, Dr. Resack, but what's next? <laughs> well, there's always next. Um, one of my guiding lights that... Um, my faculty sometimes uh, jokes about, I always say you are only as good as your tomorrow. Mm. So you have to continuously reinvent yourself. You have to learn and believe that with your work and experience, you'll make a difference in patient lives, not using tools of the yesterday, but using tools of today and tomorrow. So one of our big next, um, is uh, supporting the development of uh, Terranostics. Um, that's a new field which is beyond molecular imaging because it actually combines molecular imaging and therapy. Uh, one big part of precision medicine, in order to choose a proper treatment, you really have to have all the precision details about the disease. But Terranostics is an approach where we develop targeted molecular imaging agents so we can image and understand cancer biology. And then we develop drugs that are directed <clears throat> to the same target. So, and very often they are attached to the same main molecule or the agent that, that will act. So this provides the ability to see not only whether the drug has bonded or has reached the target, but immediately shows you the effect within a few days that uh, that, that drug is having. So the Terranostics is the next big step in allowing targeted treatment to be based on evidence and the specific features of individual patient. It's a dream. It's, mm. it's, it's starting with an idea and a hypothesis, but we already have Terranostics for neuroendocrine tumor, which is superb. We, in Europe, they are widely using Terranostics for prostate cancer treatment. It's called the PSMA Terranostics. Hopefully, we'll have that soon in this country, and one of the big dream is now having a Terranostics for breast cancer as well. And this is why that cross-fertilization across different cancer, you learn, you know, you learn a little bit how to do it, and then you move forward to another horizon. Yes, I, I, that's a wonderful way of putting it. And it, it sounds like you say that it's a dream, but uh, a wise and terrific scientist recently told me that uh, if you have a dream with the proper support, 
those dreams can become reality. So, uh, Dr. Resek. And this is exactly how the educational grant started and all the others. You have a dream, you believe in it, and you persevere, and it does become a reality. Thank you. Thank you for this work, for the conversation, and uh, everything that you that you have done. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. That was my conversation with Dr. Resack. My thanks to Dr. Resack for joining and you for listening. To learn more about breast cancer research or to subscribe to our podcast, go to bcrf.org slash podcasts.